В ім'я Отця і Сина, і Святого Духа. Амінь. Слава Ісусу Христу! Glory to Jesus Christ. I wasn't going to talk about this uh, last week because last week was the 40th day of the passing into eternal life of our uh, dear Edward. And, um, but the Lord has uh, spoken through today's uh, readings, through today's word. Uh, we find ourselves as a country in a very dangerous situation. Uh, there was polarization uh, before, but now uh, it is even stronger. We had the greatest uh, percentage of el eligible voters cast their vote uh, in our history, a tremendous uh, voter uh, outcome. But the, uh, uh, there are suspicions cast upon the election, and uh, I'm not going to talk about politics, okay? I'm going to talk about the Word of God. So, we're told that uh, if indeed uh, Joe Biden uh, will be inaugurated as president, that he will unite everyone. Uh, to tell you the truth, I find that statement a little arrogant. Um, St. Paul tells us that it's going to be otherwise. That Christ is our peace. That Christ is the one who brings us together, who unifies us. Uh, not some politician, whoever it may be. Uh, it's Christ, who has made of the two one. Now, it might seem impossible, but uh, the Lord is the master of the impossible. Uh, and so, He can bring the conservatives and the left uh, together and make of them one again. But it requires... Uh, repentance on all our parts because uh, what is repentance? The Greek word is metania. Sometimes people pronounce it metanoia. Uh, it's actually metania, which is the same word that we use for a bow or even a full prostration, what it really means is uh, going beyond the mind, changing your mind, changing the way that you think about things. Um, 
in the case of our country right now, we need for both the conservatives and the left to change their mind by getting outside of their respective bubbles and listening to the other because we might be surprised once we actually listen that there is uh, perhaps not as much of uh, what we fear in the other as, as we thought. And also, we have uh, a wonderful, I believe, to some degree divinely inspired uh, constitution that gives us all these checks and balances so that nobody can make much headway because we have that wonderful institution called Congress, which really doesn't get that much done, thanks be to God, uh, because when they do get going, very often uh, they do regrettable things. But they're often caught in gridlock. And it looks like probably we're going to have some of that gridlock again. And then uh, the executive, the legislative branch, and then the judicial branch, there's all these checks and balances. And not only that, but uh, if uh, there's a problem with the electoral process, it comes down to the states to figure out, this is what the Constitution says, for the states to figure out how they're going to allocate their uh, votes in the Electoral College. And if they can't figure it out, then the House of Representatives does, voting not as individuals, but as states. Um, and also the Supreme Court uh, has a voice in this whole process. So we shouldn't be worried. We should calm down. Um, and uh, both sides need to focus on the Lord. He is our peace. He is the one who will unite us. He is the one who will make of two one. Um, on, uh, I mean, our, the national motto of this country is a pluribus Unum, uh, from many one. We're just asking to make of the two sides one. And the Lord can do that because um, he is not a politician. He does it out of love. He united us in his uh, total sacrifice uh, on the cross. See, the Son of God took on human nature, which had been shattered by sin. God is three persons who live one divine life, and we were created to be many human persons who live one human life. But sin has caused us to forget that and 
everyone is out for uh, himself and his own, right? His, the clo his closest ones. Um, and the unity of human nature has been broken. So our Lord Jesus Christ came, took upon himself that human nature, and not only did he unite it by his incarnation, but he united it in his passion. Um, because he says there's no greater love than to give your life for another. And he gives his life for all of us, all of us, without exception. Now, there are those who uh, will receive that gift, and there are those who don't want it. Um, the Lord always respects the freedom of uh, each and every human person. Um, it sounds a bit ridiculous, really, that he would bear uh, our freedom in mind, us being these little specks and he being the God of the universe. But that's the way he works. Um, and so maybe for the time being, uh, our unity and our peace will not be perfect but we already have the beginnings of it. Just as we begin every divine liturgy with the words, Blessed be the kingdom of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, the kingdom of God, Jesus himself uh, said in a very paradoxical way, he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And uh, when the disciples asked him how to pray, he told them, among other things, pray that the kingdom may come. Thy kingdom come. So which is it, Lord? Is the kingdom already here in our midst, or is it still to come? And his answer is yes. It's both. And so... The kingdom has begun, but it's moving towards its fulfillment. And that's why the clergy in our tradition face the same way as the people. The priest is there to lead the people into the kingdom of God. And the iconostasis represents for us the border between heaven and earth. And if you can't see into the sanctuary the way you would like to, it's because we cannot glimpse, a more, we cannot more than glimpse into eternity. We can't stare. We can only get glimpses. And that's why there's a separation there uh, between this life and the next. In the Gospel, uh, from uh, the 8th chapter of uh, St. Luke. It's a very interesting uh, gospel story because it's really two stories intersecting. Intersecting almost perfectly. 
Because you have um, a girl who's 12 years old, who's dying, and you have a woman who's had this uh, hemorrhaging of blood, probably from her private parts, for 12 years. There is a match there, and the reason it's there is to draw our attention to the fact that these are not two separate stories, but uh, that they uh, are part of one whole. And so Jairus' daughter, he's the head of the synagogue, uh, his daughter is on her deathbed. And you would think that Jesus would rush to the scene. I'm sure that if any of you were on your deathbed, you wouldn't want me to uh, walk there. You would want me to take the fastest transportation available to me to come to you. But Jesus is caught in traffic. And it's not uh, vehicular traffic. It's just a bunch of people, a crowd pressing on him. So there's this idea of touching. They're pressing on Jesus. And this woman creeps up secretly to touch the tassel on his cloak. The tassel is part of uh, the prescribed uh, reminder to each uh, Israelite uh, about their relationship with God and the reminder to pray. Now, mine has unfortunately fallen apart, but you often see me with my uh, prayer rope, Chokki, uh, um, and they hang down and they kind of touch the left hand. Um, am I praying the Jesus prayer and handling the knots? No. It just hangs there and it touches my hand, just like the tassels on the clothing of uh, an Israelite. This is to remind us to pray. It reminds me to pray. Um, so she comes and touches those tassels. What's the problem? Everybody else seems to be touching uh, Jesus. When Jesus says, somebody touched me, as if he didn't know uh, who it was, he knew someone touched him, even though they just touched the tassel uh, uh, of his clothing. Um, you know, the fringe, like this like this, uh, but they were bigger and more accessible. She wasn't supposed to touch Jesus because for the Jews, blood made one unclean. And uh, when a woman uh, menstruated, it made her unclean. 
this is all defined in the book of Deuteronomy, um, all, all these rules. As a matter of fact, if you uh, go to a, a Russian Orthodox Church, they will tell you that a woman who is menstruating should not come to church because she is unclean. We don't do that in our church. Uh, that's a, what we call a Judaizing uh, practice. In other words, returning to something from the Old Testament which has been superseded by uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. When a woman gives birth, she doesn't enter the church in the Russian Orthodox for 40 days because she's considered unclean. No woman is ever allowed into the sanctuary, even when it requires a woman's touch to clean it up a little bit. Um, and I think that's a distinct weakness of that tradition because oftentimes they really could use a woman's touch. But they have this thing that women get unclean and since the priests don't want to be checking who's clean and unclean, they just bar all women from entering uh, the sanctuary. Well, this all comes from the book of Deuteronomy and the idea that blood is, makes you unclean. That is perhaps why in the uh, story of the Good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite pass by because the man who was beaten up was probably bloody. That would have made them unclean. Um, and if he, if he was dead, that would make them even more uh, unclean. So they passed by. That's one uh, possibility of what was going on. So uh, this woman, according to Jewish law, was not allowed to touch anyone. If you touched a woman who was bleeding in that way that would make you unclean. You needed to bathe and perform a ritual, and you were unclean until evening. If you slept in a bed uh, that a, a woman in that condition had slept in, that would make you unclean for seven days. So, here is the pure one, the Messiah, the Lord. She's reaching out in boldness, because according to Jewish law, this would make him unclean. But he's not worried about that. It had a purpose. Perhaps uh, the Lord was uh, protecting the Israelites from all kind of blood-borne uh, illnesses, uh, I, I don't know. Perhaps it was just a way of um, emphasizing that blood, the bearer of life, is so holy that you shouldn't touch it. Um, maybe that's the roots uh, of, of that. 
Uh, but she does touch Jesus. And he doesn't get upset. He doesn't say, now, you've made me unclean. He says, your faith has healed you. And then, messengers come from the house of Jairus, the head of the synagogue, and say, don't bother the master. Uh, your daughter has died. And Jesus says, oh, don't worry. Um, he says, uh, do not be afraid. The New American Bible translation gives it as, fear is useless. Um, I don't like the New American Bible translation, as you well know. Um, and further he says, but have faith. And the New American Bible says, uh, trust is what is needed. Now on that, I can see, you know, they're not faithful to the text, because it does say faith. But one problem that we have is we often equate faith with what we think, what we believe, where is trust, is how we live our faith. Our faith is not just something in our head, it's how we live. So, he says, have faith, that means believe in God and trust in God. And so he comes and uh, they again tell him that she's dead. And he says, no, she's only fallen asleep. If you noticed, uh, when we refer to someone who has died, when we pray for them, we always say, for the servant of God, for example, as it was with Edward, for the servant of God, Edward, who has fallen asleep. Our Lord is the one who changes death into a falling asleep, because when you fall asleep, you're going to get up eventually. You will rise. So um, that is... Uh, what is I, the battery is going oh the can, they're bringing me a, a new battery so sorry viewers at home we're having a little technical difficulty with my uh, microphone So uh, Jairus' daughter gets to sleep a little uh, longer in this case. Um, and Jesus uh, raises her from the dead. But notice when he said she's not, she's not dead, she's only sleeping, they laughed at him. But they have to eat, eat uh, humble pie afterwards. Can you imagine? As each of us will do. Because we often say, Lord, why don't you take care of this or that? And in fact, he has, beyond our wildest dreams. Uh, 
but we can't grasp it yet with our little minds, and so we get upset with God. And we say, you could have done better. They laughed at him, and he raised her from the dead. He touched her. And according to Jewish law, you were not to touch a dead body. That made you unclean. So in both of these stories, Jesus breaks through that in order to show that love and mercy are more important than rules. Rules are a guide to get us to what is important. But we don't live for rules. Rules are to serve us, not we to be slave to rules. So, in both cases, Jesus shows the triumph of his love and mercy over that which would divide. And so it perfectly fulfills what St. Paul talks about in the second chapter of the letter to the Ephesians, that the Lord brings together that which was impossible to bring together. And he can do that for us. He can do that in our families, when we have disagreements, and uh, sometimes those disagreements in families can be particularly uh, deep. He can do that in parishes. I keep remembering that my predecessor, Father Buczyk, was in this parish for 11 years, and I am now here 11 years, and... Uh, um, I'm surprised that you still tolerate me. Um, because that seems like uh, the uh, time for an exit. Uh, time to get rid of that priest who's been here too long and who talks too long. Um, so um, the Lord can do this in our families, in our parishes in our workplaces, in our nation. He can make those who were far from each other close again. Because if they get closer to God, they will simultaneously get closer to each other. Let that be our prayer today and our hope that the Lord be our peace and the one who unites us. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ.